It's time for JT the Brick. What's up, JT? Woo! Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Always great to be with the Brick. But I'm a sports talk host. I talk about multiple topics. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Use the phone like a weapon. Wake up this town. You, the Raider Nation, have an opinion. You got that? I think you all get that. JT the Brick. Talk to JT. I'm on a roll. The out-of-control fans, the passionate fans, do me a favor and surprise me today. We love Las Vegas. When I retire and walk away, you better throw a party. You won't hear from me again. I promise you, unless you catch me on the golf course, get the blank out of here. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. I'm going to be Mr. Positive. Are you kidding me? Enjoy everything we do, and please always feel welcome to call in and to be a part of the show. Big Boy Radio. Did I miss anything? Are you with me on that? And now. No, no, no. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT, thanks a lot for listening as we continue on. Final hour of the show. Q is back from vacation in Maui. Just saw him in the hall. He is excited to be back. So you got Q coming up after us. And we got a busy hour here. Russell Baxter, a really big content provider from the NFL, from ESPN, all of his sites. He'll join us in about five minutes. And then Vinny Bonsignor at the bottom of the hour, as Vinny did a great job with his 53-man roster look-ahead. Nothing guaranteed, but we'll talk to Vinny what's changed over the last couple of days here. The big topic to tease going forward is Adam Schefter is reporting that the NFL is expected to suspend a few players this week for gambling, including Isaiah Rogers of the Indianapolis Colts, who's a good player. Uh, These will be violations to the NFL's policy on gambling. We'll find out specifically what happens when they let us know. I don't know what a few players mean. What happens if it's seven or eight? on top of the four or five that have already been suspended. This is a huge topic now going forward in the NFL. You can't gamble. You just can't. If you're a football player in your early 20s to your mid-30s, just quit gambling. Don't gamble at all any time of year at any time. There's no need to do it. If you do it, you might trip over one of their minds and get caught, and you'll be gone and it'll affect your legacy. So Rodgers is the subject of a league investigation into possible violations of the gambling policy, but here's the hook, including betting on the Colts' games. you got to assume he bet on the Colts to win. If we find out they bet on the team to lose, he's done. And I don't know how you defend it anyway. I think it's going to have a lot to do with your apps, your phones, that the NFL can trace your phones to your gaming app, and your gaming app can give up information to the NFL potentially. We're going to find out more and more about this, but I've lived in Vegas a long time. I've seen the growth of Vegas and especially the NFL. The NFL has to curb this very quickly because if they don't, they're going to have a massive PR problem on their hands. The worst thing you could have is an integrity issue where the fans go to the games and they don't trust the games because they know players are getting caught. And if players are getting caught, then that's a really big issue to me. Very big issue because if one player is getting caught, how many players are doing it and not getting caught. That's the issue that not enough people are talking about. So I'm fascinated by it in a, in a, in a big macro story at sense because I think there's probably more players than we think. But what happens if it's a quarterback, a pro bowler? What happens if it's a familiar player? What happens if it's a player that has a Hall of Fame legacy building? Would that keep him out of the Hall of Fame? He probably. I think it would. I think it would. It clearly would uh, hurt a lot of players along the way if they get caught with this. So don't get caught at all, and don't do it at all, because if you get caught, it's going to ruin your career. And we're hearing and hearing a lot, a lot more players involved with that. Uh, Golden Knights are on the cover of the paper every day. Every day I get the paper, and I go here and I take a look at our Stanley Cup champs. So we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. 
Russell Baxter, kind enough to join us. Fan-sided, the football guru all his years at ESPN, and he's kind enough to join us heading into Canton right around the corner. Russell, this is always a good time for you, looking ahead to Canton and getting ready, looking at some free agents. How are you? Absolutely. It is, um, well, I'll be on the road by this time in five weeks. And, uh, you know, another good class and always good discussion. And, um, yeah, and, and you, you mentioned free agents. It's kind of a lull right now uh, in the NFL. Uh, you know, most teams are, uh, you know, kind of settling back and vacations are taking place and different things like that. And things will get cracked up, uh, revved up again soon enough. But there's obviously still a lot of good players out there. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And, I'm, and probably the two that are on everyone's lips these days are DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook. Well, let's talk about them and the weight here. With all the sources you have around the league, when you hear about the players, and a lot of GMs don't want to don't want to sign a player like that. They're expecting other players to sign when players get hurt on other teams. What's the race like if you're DeAndre Hopkins? There's only about five teams in the league that are heavy favorites to win. It's Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo in the AFC. And then the NFC, it's the 49ers. And just a handful of teams here. So if you're Hopkins, you come from Arizona, I think you want to get a ring. And most guys lately decide to gravitate to Kansas City, but you got to take less money to play in Kansas City. Where do you think he ends up? Well, I I think this is a tough call, JT, because I think this is not so much necessarily a case of where DeAndre Hopkins wants to go. I think it's more a case of who wants DeAndre Hopkins. And I, I know that sounds a little crazy, Let's keep something in mind here. The last two seasons, uh, either due to injury or, remember, a six-game suspension to start the season, uh, DeAndre Hopkins didn't miss a lot of time his days with the Texans in his one, first season uh, with the Arizona Cardinals, a Pro Bowl player. Um, but availability has been a problem the last two years, and I, I can understand trepidation on certain teams where I know he's paid taking his time. I know he's talked with a few teams, maybe someone else sneaks in there and so on. But I think this is, you know, this is not necessarily, all right, I've, I've made up my mind and this where I, this is where I want to go if I'm DeAndre Hopkins. Russell Baxter is our guest. You have Marcus Peters. You know, I'm in Vegas and there's some chatter with the Raiders here because they need some mm-hmm. cornerback help. You have him signing with the Titans. How much does he have left? Because at his best, he's unbelievable, but He's a chirper. He likes to talk a lot. He's a trash talker. I don't know if the culture here in Vegas, I mean, Raiders want to win. They're coming off six wins. He'd start here, but the Titans are also in a situation where they got to win more games after last year. Tell us about Marcus Peters and your evaluation on how much he has left. Yeah, well, you know, for me, Marcus Peters is one of those guys. And remember, 2021, he didn't, he didn't play at all. And the Ravens missed him badly. But, you know, that. Remember that secondary in 2021, they were horrific. I, I believe they gave up the most passing yards in the league. He wasn't the only guy that got hurt. Marlon Humphrey got hurt late in the year as well. Total disaster. But Marcus Peters is one of those guys, and it's not necessarily all interceptions. It's fumble recoveries, too. Some guys just have a knack for knowing where the football is and being in the right place at the right time, and that's not necessarily something you can always coach. Uh, and Marcus Peters had that. He had that from the get-go when he was a defensive pl- uh, rookie of the year. Um, you know, just ball-hawking skills. Uh, again, some guys just have it. Some guys, I always talk, you know, we talk about Paul Krause a lot of times, mm-hmm. uh, JT, who's the all-time interception leader with 81. 
He also had 19 fumble recoveries, opponent fumble recoveries. So think about that. You know, he's in the Hall of Fame because he had 100 takeaways during his pro career. I know he played a long time, but still, some guys are just really – Ed Reed was another guy who knew where the football was. So I think he – you know, as much as anyone – He'll wind up on the roster. I don't know if it's the Raiders. The Titans could use some help. Let's not forget, Tennessee was a 7-3 and football team last year and lost their last seven games. You know, there were four teams in the league that lost at least their seven, at least seven games in a row to close the season. Um, you know, Arizona was in that round, the Colts. And, of course, the Bears lost their last 10. To me, JT, the guy who's out there, who, who has produced no matter where he's gone and what scheme he's he played in, it's just in Houston, and mm-hmm. I'm really surprised he hasn't latched on with the team yet. I agree. Russell Baxter, NFL writer and historian, fan-sided, at-backs football guru. So here's one that jumps out at me, the running back quandary here with Josh Jacobs in Vegas and oh. Saquon Barkley in New York, and Zeke Elliott hasn't agreed to terms. So there's some – we're talking about very good running backs that I'm assuming are going to sign their franchise tags, and then a couple other ones out there that haven't got offers yet. Did you ever think when you covered this sport, and you cover it still at a super high level, but in the heyday of the 70s with Franco Harris and the 80s with Walter Payton and the 90s with Emmett Smith, that the running back position would be devalued this much? No, I did not. And to me, I think it's, and I guess I'm just hoping it's a little cyclical uh, in this regard. But although it was interesting, we saw this past season as many players now, of course, that Justin Fields fig, uh, figures into the equation, as did Lamar Jackson a couple of years uh, a couple of years ago as well. But the running game did have a little bit of a, a comeback this year, JT. We mm-hmm. had as many thousand yard runners this past season as we did the previous two seasons combined, um, and we did have three running backs get the franchise tag. You mentioned Barkley and Jacobs, and of course Tony Pollard got the franchise tag from the Cowboys. You know, to me, the Barkley and the um, Josh Jacobs situations are two totally different things. The Giants, uh, you want to make sure they're doing what they're right. You know, Saquon did to have some injury problems. He had a, a dynamite rookie year and so on. But here's the thing that baffles me about the Raiders. How do you take a first-round class like they did a couple of years ago with Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram, not pick up any of their options, and now the guy leads the league in rushing. I know Farrell and Abram are gone. So you went from not picking up his option, he led the league in rushing, and you gave him the franchise tag, and you can't get this done. Yeah, I think it's a complicated issue, and I think they're going to get it done. They're trying to get it done, but the France. Yeah. Hey, isn't the answer the same with the Giants that decided to give more money to Daniel Jones? The Raiders got rid of Derek Carr, brought in Jimmy Garoppolo for less. I mean, the signals we're getting here is there's a certain price for Josh Jacobs that we're trying to negotiate, and we know he's probably worth more than the franchise tag. But what would any team do, let alone the Raiders? If the Raiders weren't in the situation and Josh Jacobs did this for another team, would he automatically get more money? than what a lot of people think he deserves. It seems like that position doesn't value that anymore with the league's overpaying for wide receivers all day long, Russell. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you, you couldn't have said it any better. And, um, you know, I, I, I go back. And, and, and when you have a situation like the Chiefs last year who are down 10 at halftime in the Super Bowl and, 
you know, honestly, I know Patrick Mahomes got MVP, but the, the reason they were able to beat Philadelphia in, in the second half is because they ran the ball on them. Mm-hmm. Remember, they didn't give up any sacks in the Super Bowl to a team that had 70 sacks during the regular season. They kept them on the field. They kept, kept pounding at them uh, and did it with a seventh-round running back. So, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of factors in and so on. To me, with the Raiders, you sent a signal that you didn't necessarily want the player. Okay? I could understand not Carolyn Abram. I didn't understand not picking up the option on Josh Jacobs, who had been a mm-hmm. steady productive player for them. Um, and you send out the signal. He is a, a, a dynamite year. He's an all pro year and so on. And now you want to kind of set a price tag on him. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of a slippery slope in my mind. Russell Baxter, the football guru. Uh, finally, I'm going to sit out Canton this year. We've been there a bunch the last couple of years. The Raiders had a, had several players get in. What do you think of the class overall? I know there's been some criticism, not Deion Sanders' criticism about the elite side of the Hall of Fame, but you got to keep filling up the Hall. And this class, I, I'm so happy for Joe Klecko growing up in New yeah. York and seeing the way he played with the sack exchange. But a couple other names that jump out at you that could really make the festivities in Canton that much bigger. Well, I mean, listen, Joe Thomas, you've got one, a member of the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he, he seemed like he was destined for the Hall of Fame at the moment he was drafted. Um, you know, 10-time Pro Bowler, I think six-time All-Pro. Until he got hurt, he never even missed a snap during his career. Um, you know, Rondé Barber is an interesting choice, and I'm, I'm sure other people, but Darrell Revis, um, Revis Island, um, that's why the Browns and the Jets are playing in, in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game this year, too. It's because of that appeal, uh, I mean, their, their elections and so on. So uh, Don Coriel, I mean, how, how can you talk about offensive football without him and so on? Um, it, it, to me, I never have a problem with any of these classes that go in. And I think the thing I'm, I'm happiest about, and obviously Ken Riley and Chuck Cowley are going in, is the fact that the seniors committee is now leading up into, uh, I'm sorry, letting up into three candidates go in in a year. Um, and we're going to see that again next year as well. We, we don't know who they are yet and so on, but um, listen, the Hall of Fame has been playing catch up since 1963. That's when the hall opened up. Okay. So um, there are probably a couple hundred great players out there still to be considered that, you know, their careers are well in the rear view mirror. And I also look at this for fans and people will say, what took so long? What took so long? What took so long? Jerry Kramer waited 40 years. He was pretty mm. patient. If he can wait 40 years, everybody else can. Uh, last one. Uh, the first Hall of Fame without my friend Jim Brown. And I got a chance to say goodbye to him at the last one. And he was at the gold jacket ceremony. And for the people that got a chance to see him, for me, it was the last time. And I took advantage of that. As you know, he was in ailing health for a while. Overall, how do you think the Hall's going to handle that? I'm sure there's going to be a nice tribute to maybe the a Mount Rushmore Hall of Famer, one of the most impactful football players to ever live. Yeah, well, you think about some of the guys who have passed since the last induction. Um, that would include that would include Franco Harris and just recently Bob Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the great tackle with three different teams. Um, you know, there's always something said. Uh, you know, a little tribute during the jacket dinner and so on. There'll be a little tribute so on. I don't know if they're going to necessarily do anything special for Brown and so on, but. Uh, here's what I know. Uh, it is 2023. He last played in 1965, and there's a, 
There are people who, to this day, say he's still the best football player to ever play. Yeah, I'm one of them, no doubt about that, along with Tom Brady and Jerry Rice. And the list, the list, uh, the list doesn't shrink. It gets bigger because there's so many great players that are out there, but there was only one Jim Brown. Russell, enjoy That's the right. rest of the summer. I hope to talk to you again uh, coming out of training camp before the start of the season and get you in the rotation. You're a valued part of our show. Really appreciate you. Right. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon. You got it. Russell Baxter. He'll be in Canton, the football guru there, as he talked about Josh Jacobs. So he is very critical of the way the Raiders handed Josh Jacobs, has handled them. We put other voices on on that. No problem. Callers can call in on this, and I don't have a problem with that. I'd like to see Josh be here a long time. Running backs aren't going to be anywhere for a long time. It's not. So what's a long time for Josh? Two, three more years? Three more in his prime? I believe that Josh Jacobs, if he stays healthy, then why wouldn't he be healthy? He takes a beating, but he gets up. He could play hard and run hard for a number of years, and then you got to take some of the carries away. Samir White, some of the other running backs, get them going to see if they can spell him a bit. But it was fun to watch Josh last year. He made my life easier going on those post-game shows. Even after a loss, you want him to win every game. But there were games where the Raiders lost where the phones were packed. People were calling in on Josh Jacobs' performance. He had a fantastic year. And he wants to get compensated. And hopefully both sides come together and he's a happy player going forward because if the Raiders are going to win the amount of games they want to win, they're going to need Josh Jacobs controlling the ball on the ground, picking up first downs, and keeping that new defense on the sideline. Jimmy G, third down efficiency, Josh Jacobs picking up first downs. I think it's an all-star team. I do, with Devontae and Jacoby and Hunter and Michael Mayer and this offensive line, which is only going to get better. I think it's an all-star team on offense. I won't say that about defense, but if the offense plays at a high level, a Herculean level, the defense will be, get more rest and they'll be more productive. That's how I see it. You are qualified to win four tickets to an Aviators game if you call in on our summer contest right now. You'll have a shot at winning the weekly grand prize. This week's trip is five days in Maui and $1,500 cash, or you can take just 3000 cash. Take the trip or take the cash. It's the summer of fun right here at Lotus Broadcasting. Be the eighth caller to Bobby. <laughs> Be the eighth caller as I'm still looking for my first today. Oh, this gets me going. Be the eighth caller to 702-365-9200. And when we come back, we'll talk to Vinny Bonsignor. It's the summer contest. It's a good contest. Everybody's chirping about it in this building. Everybody's excited about it. Hope you win. But now you're qualifying as the eighth caller, 702-365-9200. Vinny Bonsignor at the bottom of the hour here in about 9, 10 minutes. And we'll talk about Vinny's life, his tequila, and what he thinks could look like a 53-man roster. Now a deflected puck, they score! Riley Smith puts the Knights in the lead! Right to the net now, Riley Smith delivers his first goal of the playoffs, and it gives the Knights a game five advantage of three to two. 5.26 to go, second period. Power play goals, 29 seconds apart, and the Knights are in front for the first time. That's Dan Duva on the call. We played that because Riley Smith is now gone. 
an original misfit, a leader on the ice and in our community, a Stanley Cup champion. This comes from the Vegas Golden Knights. Thanks for the memories, Riley. Vegas will always love you. Riley Smith is gone. Wow. Did I see that coming? I figured they were going to make some moves here up against the cap and the cap issues. Uh, The Golden Knights have acquired a 2024 third-round pick from the Pittsburgh Steelers in exchange for Riley Smith. The pick originally belonged to Vegas and was sent to Pittsburgh in March. So if you look at this, wow, that is a big deal. Riley Smith is gone from the Vegas Golden Knights right after winning the Cup. Like in every sport, it's a business. You know, Bobby, you call, you run the games. When we look at this overall, there were so many games where Riley Smith came through, I can't count them, where they needed a goal or they needed to pad the game with another goal, and Riley Smith, from time to time, he disappeared for a little bit, then he bounced back again and get hot, streaky at times, but a very good player. He was an amazing player. He was one of the original misfits, along with Marcia Cho and Carlson. Yeah. That was that line that... Yeah. Brought them all the way to the Stanley Cup in the first year. I, I'm, I'm just shocked by it. I mean, I know mm. it's a business and they got, they're got they that high up against the salary cap. Mm. But, damn, that's uh, Riley Smith, that's a rough one. That is a rough one. It's a guy you want to see come around. Also, he's a real big part of the softball game, charity softball game that's coming up. He's captain's of, captain of one of the teams. I'm sure he'll be here for that and help out in the community. Uh, that's what he's all, all about in general. But what hurts about this is they just won. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been doing this now going on 27 years on the radio side. I see it all the time. You win a championship, and then they look at the team and the cap, and they got to make moves. And they have the NHL draft and the awards, and boom. Right as these guys are coming off a hangover and a celebration, next thing you know, one of the players, a valuable part, is gone. So Riley Smith, gone from our Golden Knights here. Is it a shock? Yeah, it's kind of a shock. Uh, this time of year on the calendar, but they make that move ahead. We wish him nothing but the best. I've interviewed him a number of times. A gentleman, good guy, good guy, and uh, we wish him the best. What a business sports is. Vinny Bonsignor joins us, and what a week he's had on the radio with his content, his columns. And uh, Vinny, thanks for coming on. As I texted you early in the week, I really enjoyed your column on the projected 53 or what it could look like or who's in the lead or not as you put this roster together or look at it, how much fun do you have putting a column like that together? What's it like? Yeah, it's always uh, pretty fun trying to, uh, trying to you know, predict things. And you know, part of it is you know, not seeing. Um, you know, we've seen some OTAs and some minicamp, but, but until you really get to training camp, it's kind of tough to, to really gauge um, you know, certain things. And I know that there's going to be probably uh, some undrafted free agents, as there always is, that are going to be a surprise uh, to make the team, Isaiah Palomaro uh, was was one of those guys last year. Luke Masterson, um, you know, uh, Darian Butler, three players right off the top that that you know immediately, especially in the case of Isaiah and, and Luke's case, it was pretty apparent early on in training camp that these were two good football players uh, that had a chance to make the team. So uh, it, it's always you know fun to be able to start projecting out. It's almost impossible with those types of players, but those answers will start being. Uh, clarified once training camp starts, but it is a, a fun exercise. In this kind of down period where coaches and GMs, everybody takes a break here, and I know you have access to Dave Ziegler when you need to, it doesn't seem like around the league there's a lot of talk about the free agents that are still available just yet. And I know that heats up and ramps up coming up here. It's more about the NBA, which you follow closely. There's going to be an array of players that just switch teams here in the coming days here. Marcus Peters is one of the names out there, and when you hear more and more guests, I think I heard 
uh, a guest on your show talking about it earlier today, that a, a player or two, they might wait a week longer or so as a team kicks the tires. What's that waiting period all about? Yeah, it was Eddie Borselli, as you were talking about roster, maybe getting a veteran or not. What is it like with the timeline, making sure you don't get beat by another team who grabs a player you like? Yeah, and I think everybody has a pretty good understanding of, of what it is that everyone's looking for money-wise. Um, you know, and, and I think in, in a case like Marcus Peters, uh, that would be something that uh, closer to training camp, um, if they're going to go ahead and sign him, that's when it would happen. It really didn't make much sense from Marcus Peters' perspective uh, to come in during OTAs and minicamp. I mean, he's a veteran player. He doesn't really need, you know, all of that. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's just uh, a certain amount of miles that are left in those legs. Why waste it um, in, that, in that setting? And on, conversely, for the Raider, from the Raiders' perspective, they got a chance really to take a look at some of the young secondary members that they brought in, some of the holdovers that they have, some of the new players that they brought in free agency. Uh, so it gave them an opportunity to get a look at some of the younger players uh, in extensive uh, reps. And now that they've had that opportunity, um, you know, I think they're going to, they're, they're, they're still in the process of sort of, okay, you know, what's, what's, where are the weak spots of this roster? What are the strengths of this roster? Where do we feel like uh, we need to go if you're Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels to go get some help? And I think Marcus Peters is, is probably way up on that list. Um, and I would think that if they do revisit it, it's going to happen closer to training camp, maybe a week before training camp or so. If they go down that path, they may very well have looked at the tape, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, after OTAs and, and mini camp and really as an organization taking a look at that and said, you know what, uh, like where we are uh, in the secondary, we're going to give this, this group a chance to be part of the 53 that they go to start the season with. You know, Vinny Bonson, yours are guest. Vinny, when you look at what they had to say clean up or what they inherited, and they inherited some good players. Max Crosby near the top of the list is good players that have made the transition from Mayock Rudin to Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Overall, what impression do you have? How much do they like this roster now? To compared to it, because you don't you don't fall in love with your roster. There's more work to do. But do you feel with the players they have under salary control and the quality of players that they have, and some of the risks they took in the draft, that they overall feel good about this group? Yeah, and I think um, you know when you look at the, the the secondary, when you look at linebacker, when you look at the defensive line, uh, there's a lot of players, especially on that defensive line and at linebacker, that are homegrown players that are under contractual control um, for for the foreseeable future, and that's a marked change. Um, from where defensive line and linebacker uh, have been uh, over the last few years. It's always been sort of a, uh, you know, give a guy a chance for a year and then go back into the free agency market and, and, and try to fill that hole while also trying to draft some players. But they really invested these last couple of years in defensive line for draft picks uh, that, that have come from, from, from the draft linebacker, a couple of uh, draft picks, and then also, um, you know, the, the undrafted free agents, Darian Butler and, and Luke Masterson. Uh, so that what they're kind of trying to do is, is is really build from within, and I think that's the key to the whole thing. Uh, you know, we we see that they've signed some expatriates. You know, I know that that may rankle uh, some Raider fans, but it's really no different than what Bill Parcells would do when he would join uh, a team. He would always bring Phil Jackson did that when he went from the Bulls to the Lakers. There were three or four former Bulls players, some of them that never even sniffed the court. Uh, but we're there in the locker room on the practice uh, court, you know, helping to send the message and deliver the message and teach the offense and the defense uh, to, to the, you know, the, the Lakers that weren't, you know, hadn't been in that uh, kind of a system. But that'll eventually phase out, and, and this is what the Raiders' intentions are. That'll eventually phase out when they start, 
you know, building from within. And then eventually three years down the road, down the road, guys like Neil Farrell, um, you know, maybe Matthew Butler and, and guys like that are going to be the ones that are teaching the, the younger players the system. That's how they want. That's the point that they want to get to. They're not quite there yet. But to answer your question, I think they're I think they're intrigued by, um, you know, the competitiveness that they've built at certain positions, the youth that they've brought in. Uh, and you mentioned some holdovers from, from Mike Mayock and, and John Gruden. I think in particular defensively, when you look at Divine Diablo, Nate Hobbs, and Trayvon Merrig, um, if, if those three, three players are, are able to get back on the right track, coming off of injuries, coming off a of transition to another new defense, if they can get back on track, it really does change the dynamic of the defense because they know what they're going to get from Max Crosby. To a larger extent, they know what they're going to get from a Chandler uh, Jones Um in those three young players who are were drafted to really be building blocks of that defense, um, if they can get it turned around and straightened out, it really does change the complexion of the defense. And that goes to your point of some of the players that they truly do like from the John Gruden, Mike, Mara, uh, Mike, Mike Mayock era. Vinny Bonsignor joins us as we wrap it up. Yeah, I'm fascinated with the defensive tackle position because they got to get it right. You can't have a bunch of guys who aren't pro bowlers and they're not on the verge of pro bowlers and they're serviceable guys. I mean, other teams around the league have that, but you usually see with the elite teams, Cincinnati, Buffalo, especially Kansas City, you got to have someone in the middle that finally makes a name for themselves and comes in and becomes a stud out there. So as they throw these guys out there at training camp and in the preseason, how important is the position battle at defensive tackle, interior defensive players, and to find a guy who can pop and really come out and show the world that they can play in this league and maybe not come off the field? Yeah, and I think uh, a guy like Neil Farrell and a, and a guy like Byron Young, uh, two of the young players that they've drafted, kind of fit into that uh, category. Um, can, can either of those two players, either as two starters or, or one a starter, another a rotational player, be kind of that anchor uh, in, in the middle of the, de- uh, the defense or, you know, a, uh, a, a chess piece that they could use along the defensive line. I think it's, I think it's critical uh, that the Raiders come up with a, um, you know, not just one, but multiple. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles and the depth that they had on their defensive line and how, many, how they were able to come at teams uh, with waves and, and rack up as many sacks as they did from that defensive line. I think that's kind of a blueprint of what the Raiders want to try to do, um, create competition, create depth, uh, and be able to to roll out um, you know six seven eight eight players sometimes in a rotation that are going to keep everybody fresh everybody motivated everybody gets you know their fair share of snaps and if they're producing all the better because you don't want the major drop off between a Max Crosby um, and then he goes to the bench and then all of a sudden there's a much lesser player coming in or in the interior of the defensive line so I think. You know what they'd like to do is is create that quality depth, not just names, but players that are delivering uh, productive snaps when it's their turn. Because that just it, it it really resonates throughout the entire room, and it, it's what builds a bond and chemistry, and really that trust that Max Crosby is talking about. That each player can rely on the other guy, whether they're on the field with them, alongside them, or watching from the sidelines when it's their turn to come out of the game to be able to trust guys that they're going to be able to get their uh, part of the uh, bargain done. Hey, Benny, Adam Schefter reported, I know you saw it, a handful of NFL players, including Colts, cornerback, and kick returner. Isaiah Rogers are expected to receive a season-long suspension for allegedly gambling. I don't know what the number looks like, but it seems like it's a few, and Schefter's teasing this, that it's coming. Uh, are you sensing this is going to be a big, big storyline. We hope nothing happens here in Las Vegas, but other teams around the league. This is something we all have to be aware of, and it sounds like it's coming down pretty quickly. 
Yeah, and uh, knock on wood, you know, for, for Raider Nation, I'm sure, you know, everyone's a little bit um, anxious right now. I haven't heard anything along those lines uh, in terms of uh, any Raider players being involved. So, you know, I would, I would suspect that uh, everyone out there wants that to remain the case. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, and, and I think that, you know, um, it's it's sort of a good news bad news situation. The bad news obviously is that there's some players that obviously were doing something that they weren't supposed to do, whether it was betting while they were on the premises of their facility or at the team hotel or whatever the case might be. In some cases, unfortunately, actually betting on football uh, that's a major major no no. Uh, and so when you start talking about year long suspensions, it sounds like there was some some things that were going on. Let's put it that way. The good news is. I think the NFL is showing that there's ways to manage this and monitor this. And the more people that they catch, and hopefully it's, that number um, is, is, becomes less and less because it should be sending a message to everybody in the, in the NFL, whether you're on the team or working for the team, look, these are the rules. These are the regulations. This is, you know, we're all kind of benefiting from the, the, you know, the addition of, of gambling, and, and it obviously creates revenue streams that everybody's going to benefit from in the long run. But don't jeopardize things, and don't put us in a bad spot as a league to, to, to raise any kind of questions about how legitimate things are uh, out on the field by participating in ways that you're not allowed to participate. And the more uh, like in this instance, these handful of players, hopefully that sends a message that resonates all across the league. Number one, you know, be aware of what the rules are. Mm-hmm. And, and it would be interesting to find out from any of these guys, was it just that you weren't aware of the rules? Did you fall asleep during the meeting when the NFL came into the building or, your, or the people in your organization were giving you instructions on how this was all going to work? Did you just think that you were going to get away with it, that you never thought that they would actually be able to figure it out while you're using your app? It'll be interesting to see what, what everybody's reasoning is or explanation is for, for getting caught. But the bottom line is hopefully everybody in the league is paying attention and understanding, yeah, that's not a road that I'm going to go down because there's no way I'm going to jeopardize whether it's a year-long salary or a career's worth of salary. It's not worth, worth the risk. Uh, lastly, on a personal note, uh, next month I'm going to, starting up here in July in a week, I'm going to come up with the all-time Raiders team. Here on the radio, we're going to ask our listeners to get involved on Twitter and on the phones. And I just wanted to get your opinion on what I'm trying to do here. When you look at the Raiders who only played a short amount of time, that would be Jerry Rice, Warren Sapp, Rod Woodson. Would you include them on an all-time team, or would you just stick to Raiders who made their career being Raiders and had the majority of their success in the silver and black? I don't think you necessarily have to have to uh, stick uh, solely with the Raiders. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you talk about a guy like Jim Plunkett, um, who had an, an, an incredible um, you know impact on this organization with two Super Bowl wins. Uh, and he was only here for really a brief period of, uh, mm-hmm. of time. There's, there's definitely players uh, that, that were, were here for a short period of time who had just an incredible impact. So I think you have to be um, open-minded to those types of players. But, um, you know, when you're talking about an all-time team, um, I would have to imagine there's a healthy balance between somebody like a Jerry Rice, who did have some pretty good years with the 49ers, yes. and, and, or just with the Raiders, I should say, but – you know, in an overall sense, we probably remember him more with the 49ers sure. than with the Raiders. You have to kind of weigh that overall production because Eric Dickerson played for the Raiders, and mm-hmm. he might be arguably the best running back that ever played for the Raiders. He wasn't Eric Dickerson the way we know him when he was with the Raiders, but if you're looking at his entire career, he was one of the greatest running backs of all time. So I think it has to be 
What do they do when they were in a, in a Raiders uniform yeah. primarily? And what kind of an impact did they have to winning when they were in a Raider uniform? So that, that, that's the thing with the Raiders. There's so many great players, and I don't, I don't think you'd have any shortage of the homegrown players that played primarily with this organization as a starting point. But I think you would have to you know, sprinkle in guys like Elias Alzado, mm-hmm. you know, who yeah. played various places before he got uh, to the Raiders. So, so you have to definitely balance it, and I think there's room for both. Yep, and that's the answer. We're going to use Vinny's voice there for the imaging. Take a little piece of that. Vinny, where are you drinking tequila coming up this weekend with your proud partner? Yeah, uh, absolutely. At all Boyd properties here in Las Vegas, uh, the Aria, the Cosmopolitan, uh, Circus Circus, if you want to drop the kids off over at the fun stuff uh, and go have some fun as, a, as, as an adult. Uh, so it's, it's definitely all over. Um, uh, just remember, Dos Cotas Tequila, wherever you are in Vegas. Thank you, Vinny. Talk to you soon. All the best. You too. Bye-bye. That's Vinny Bonsignor. Appreciate him coming on, as always. You know, Vinny puts a lot of balance into what he says. He, he looks at the team, the players, the contracts, and he reports on it. And sometimes fans look at it and go, whoa, I didn't know that, this. You don't have to like it all. Vinny's a reporter who also has a voice on the radio as a radio host. Very good at what he does, and we appreciate him coming on every week. Thank you to Vinny Bonsignor. We're kind of shocked around the building about the Riley Smith news. So Riley Smith is out, and he will be out as a member of the Golden Knights. And they're just going to get a draft pick, third-round pick, a year from now. So that's the threat. They're getting rid of the salary. They're getting rid of the salary and a very good player because they can't take on that much salary. So when you think of Barbashev coming in That's and, the, just what I was and say. the Stone deal a couple of years ago and some of the players, remember how much Pacioretty got paid and Pacioretty was let go? You're going to see what happens with this organization is they're going to have to move players that you like. No more popular player than Marc-Andre Fleury. Riley Smith as an original misfit. Now, I would be shocked if it was Jonathan Marceso, right? Of course oh, not. Totally. He just won the Conn Smythe. But Marceso is a very good player that played great in the postseason. Riley Smith was right around hanging around and playing at a level with Carlson at times. When Carlson and Marceso were not playing at elite level, Riley Smith was in stretches here. There was a nice balance with those guys on different lines or together scoring. Well, that's an interesting thing because they did just re-sign Aiden Hill. Mm-hmm. They have to re-sign Barbashev. And now Marsha Show is an unrestricted fee agent this year. Yes, and I think Marsha Show will be back coming off this. But I don't know what to say. When you, when you say goodbye to a player right after you won a championship, look how hard it is to say goodbye to Darren Waller and Derek Carr. Mm. Right? Those are players that did not win here. I mean, they went to the playoffs once, but they didn't win. And it's hard to say goodbye. You win the Stanley Cup two weeks ago and you're getting rid of a player who's an original misfit? Woo, that's business, man. Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee, they don't take that lightly. They don't take that lightly. They do that because they have to have this team ready for a defense of their Stanley Cup title. And that's what the best teams do. Some of the best teams we've ever seen do that. The Atlanta Braves. Uh, They only got one World Series out of their run. They should have had many. The Dodgers. This Dodger team with Dave Roberts only has one championship. I I have an asterisk next to it because it was during COVID. That was that juice box where they play 60 games, 80 games, whatever it was. Stop. But that team should have won many more. You have to get rid of players if you want to win. And they already won. And Riley Smith was a part of it, and they're going to move on from him. Woo. That's a big one today, and I'm sure he's going to get a tremendous ovation at the softball game when it's the Golden Knights against the Raiders because he's a captain 
of the hockey side there. That's going to be an emotional night for him. I'm sure a lot of media are going to show up for that. 702-365-9200. Like to hear from you before I get out of here at the top of the hour. Jump on in. We'll get you here on the radio. Your thoughts on Josh Jacobs is really the topic this week. Uh, We have some unique programming coming up uh, tomorrow and Friday. Tomorrow I'm having lunch and I'm going to have a conversation with my good friend MJ Maynard. Her husband took his life, a Metro police officer, Schmitty, Richard Smith. And we're going to talk about the brand new foundation in his name, something I'm very passionate about. Uh, We're going to do about 20 minutes to a half hour with her on Friday. And we're going to talk about one of my great friends who lost his life. We're getting ready. This is the 26-year anniversary night tonight. I should go out tonight and have a beer for that down at the MGM. That call, here, Dr. Ferdy Pacheco was on the call, and you could hear it. The, the call of that fight when Mills Lanes came over to the broadcasters and told them the fight's over. Then they check with Mark Ratner. You could hear that. They check with him, and they say he could go on, and he goes on, and then Tyson tries to bite him again. And there's a piece of Holyfield's ear on the canvas. And then the chaos that ensued after it, like I told you. Welcome back, JT. It's an incredible story when you think about that in Vegas. It's one of the most notorious nights in the history, in the history of sports. Any way you look at it, I'm not talking about a great night, a great moment in sports. It was one of those nights that you look back and you say, I cannot believe I was there. I can't imagine ever going to a sporting event like that again the rest of my life. Can't imagine. Grimaldi's Pizza. We got friends in town. Wanted to share this. Get this. Had a guy I grew up with, a good friend of mine, went to high school with, uh, one of my good friends in my wedding. He was supposed to come out last night. Flight was canceled. They gave him an email. His son's in a fencing tournament in Arizona and Phoenix, so he had to delay his trip, and he fortunately got a ticket to come out here. He almost spent the night at the airport. He spent six hours in the airport trying to fix the flight. They told him it would be this morning, but he had too far to go home in Long Island. We're lucky. We live close to the airport. My buddy lives about an hour and a half from the airport. So he decided with his family to get a hotel by the airport, a couple hundred bucks, spend the night, go back to the airport. And what he told me as he was taken off, because we were on the phone today, he goes, 
stay out of an airport if you can. I go, what do you mean? He goes, it is chaos. And this is New York at JFK trying to get out of there. I guess they canceled 2,100 flights yesterday for weather. And if you look at overbooking, I just can't believe people can't get new flights. Used to be back in the day, you missed your flight. Okay, just stand over to the side. There's another one coming. You'll get on that flight. Now they send you home and they tell you days later, business travel, sports travel, broadcasters who have to travel to go from sporting event to sporting event. It's tough. It is really tough. But if you're traveling on the 4th of July and you're driving, take your time, be safe. If you're flying, get to your destination and have a good 4th of July. I'm looking at the weather here on my phone. This is going to be unbelievable what's happening here. So we broke the record, the all-time record in Vegas dating back to 1964. 1965 for the most amount of days not going over 100 degrees. So we now have a brand new record in 2022-2023. Tomorrow, so today's 98. Tomorrow's supposed to be the 100-degree day. Then on Saturday, it goes to 108. Sunday, Monday, 112. So we're going from 98 to 112. It's a big move. That's a big move, even for us in Vegas that understand a big move. Thanks to all of our proud partners. Thanks to our guest, three good football men today, Bill Williamson, Vinny Bonsignor, and Russell Baxter, the football guru. I got a lot of radio, a lot of fill-in shifts, a lot of things I'm doing here over the next couple of days. You can find it all on Twitter, at JT the Brick. Thanks again to Bobby for putting the show together. Everyone have a great 4th of July holiday, even though we got a couple of more shows left. I know people are trying to get out of Dodge. If you're coming to Vegas, welcome to Vegas, the sports and entertainment capital of the world. And this is Raider Nation Radio.